0: Hello and welcome back to that 70's Card Show. I'm your host John Keating and I thank you for joining me as I take a look back at the cards and the culture of the very colorful 1970s. We'll revisit a more simple time in our hobby by taking a deep dive into the sets and the stats with a generous amount of dad facts sprinkled in. That 70's Card Show is currently sponsored by Nobody. If you have a comment or suggestion, I urge you to drop me a line at that 70 show at gmail.com, uh, that 70s card show on Twitter, or 70s card on Twitter, that 70s card show on YouTube. There we go, John. We did that. Uh, anyway, episode 51 here. Uh, I tried a little bit this weekend to do a live YouTube episode 51. It didn't quite work out the way I wanted to. It's somewhere out there on the cloud probably a rain cloud, uh, but anyway, that's gone, and um, it was a quick nod to uh, Mother's Day and uh, everything that comes uh, with uh, thanking our moms on their special day. Now, my mom um, had a big role in my sporting life uh you know, as a child of the '70s, my father worked a lot, spent a lot of time commuting back and forth to work. So my mom was the one who took me to my little league games. And while my dad was working, I got to go to a lot of baseball games, a lot of Phillies games, a Veteran Stadium. And I would sit next to my mom. My two brothers would sit on the third base line. My mother and I would sit on the first base line. Thanks to my father's hard work and the company he was working for. So spent a lot of time watching baseball with my mother. My mother grew up in the North Philadelphia area, and of course that's where the Philadelphia A's and the Philadelphia Phillies played at Shibe and then Connie Mack Stadium. And um, my mom was an A's fan growing up, and when the A's moved, obviously she became a... A Phillies fan for sure. So, uh, my mom's favorite baseball player that I can recall growing up was Gary Maddox, the Secretary of Defense, out there in center field at Veterans Stadium. Gary, of course, a wonderful player, Vietnam vet, and uh, just all around good guy uh, for sure. My mother went to school um, with Lee Ilya, who would eventually become a manager in the big leagues, not much of a major league career, but he did play in the majors, became a manager, I think, of the Cubs possibly even the Phillies, uh, during those dark years of the 80s. And uh, more importantly, my mom went to school during a time when Wilt Chamberlain was uh, probably um, the most prominent athlete from Philadelphia for sure. So uh, I remember hearing stories about Wilt Chamberlain from her and her growing up. They graduated, I believe, the same year, 1955. Wilt went to Overbrook High School in Philadelphia. My mother went to Alney High School, in uh, the Alni section with the aforementioned Lee Elia. Also, shout out to my wife on Mother's Day. My wife uh, grew up in a family of four girls, had no idea what sports were and are until uh, she done spit out two boys. And, of course, uh, my boys played baseball. My oldest played a lot of lacrosse, and my youngest played a lot of travel team baseball. And, uh, of course, they're grown men at this point. So no more organized sports with them. In fact, the last time we had a sporting endeavor, um, I think it was 2019, my uh, youngest son, who is the tallest in my family, uh, he's about 6'3", 6'4", we were playing 2v2 in the driveway basketball, and uh, it was me and... My wife versus my two sons, who are both, again, over six foot tall. So my wife was kind of monkeying around. My youngest drove to the basket, stepped on my wife's foot, and head-butted her in the eye socket. And her eye uh, kind of blew up, uh, kind of like a, you know, somewhere between a golf ball and a baseball. So maybe a lacrosse ball-sized uh, bump on her, um, her upper cheek. And so we took her to the hospital and turns out that was the least of her problems. When my son stepped on her foot, he broke her foot as well. So, uh, so that's the last time we—that's the last time we played sports as a family. And we won't even get—we uh, won't even get near cornhole uh, and pick up the little sandbags. We're afraid of of injuring each other. So uh, happy Mother's Day, belatedly to uh, my mother, uh, Carol who is no longer with us she passed away i don't know maybe 30 years ago um and uh she raised three boys so thank you for that mom uh big sports fans the three of us of course um my wife uh same to her she raised two boys my oldest knows more about sports than i do my youngest uh he's uh he's into everything but sports it seems but uh good kids uh, all around. And it's fun because uh, my two brothers and I plus um, our nephews and my sons so that's a total of seven men all named Keating. We have a group chat. We often um, spend time chatting about sports, breaking news in sports and uh, of course everybody in my family but uh, myself um, root for Liverpool Football Club. I, I am a Manchester City fan so I get a lot of flack from them uh and I give them flack back as well so anyway uh it's great to grow up in such a family that um has fun with sports and uh, enjoys still talking about sports uh next up on the agenda is uh, something that I'm passionate about and uh, Kind of making the rounds now is the uh, 2022 Baseball Card Hall of Fame nominations. They are out. They've been released. Uh, there was a video um, unveiling the this year's nominees. Ray from Philly uh, has it on his channel. Mike from This Baseball Card Life has it on his channel as well. I don't know whether Victor, the rookie card specialist, I don't know whether he has put it on his channel yet, but. Uh, look those guys up, you'll see uh, you'll see it on there. Uh, there's a link to a Google Doc on their um, channels and um, you can vote for 10 players. And uh, wouldn't that be fun to uh, to see those results, I think in June. So uh, Ray's been doing it for a while, Mike as well, and Victor joined in, I think last year with them. So uh, really a wonderful thing for our hobby. Uh, to have. And, um, you know, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy um, um, when this comes out. I've only been involved with it for maybe two years, but um, as far as voting, but man, I really, uh, really enjoy um, the effort they've put into it. Um, Again, get over there and vote. And maybe by the end of the show here, I can show you guys whom I voted for, or I'll wait to show that In a uh, future episode, of course, it's not a big deal because uh, I think I shared it on Twitter uh, yesterday. So um, let me see if I can dig that up while we're waiting. I can tell you verbally, but uh, digging it up and showing would probably be more fun. So um, let me see here. Yeah, I'm going to download this bad boy, and I'm going to put it up here in a second. Another uh, thing I want to talk about is uh, something my, my son uh, asked me about in this uh, group chat that I, I told you we talked about. We talk about me and my brothers, and that's uh, Hall of Fame for uh, your city's sports. Now, the obvious thing would d- to be for uh, people like myself who grew up in a city that has the four major sports – baseball, football, hockey, and basketball, to pick one from each. But uh, not all cities uh, have uh, hockey teams or basketball teams or football teams and or baseball teams. So uh, think about that. Think about who the top four players on your city's Mount Rushmore would be sporting-wise. I have opinions, and uh, perhaps I'll get to that too, but I'd like to hear from other folks uh, what they think. Uh, about that uh, again I would choose uh, initially so being not a not a big hockey fan I initially chose I think um, basketball player uh, two baseball players and a football player but uh, maybe I'll give a little more thought into that so uh, real quick here I will uh, show on my screen and discuss with you if you're listening on a podcast about my uh, 10 cards that I voted for for um, uh, the baseball card Hall of Fame Uh, Yogi Berra, Joe DiMaggio, um, there's a Ty Cobb, Cracker Jack in there, um, 73 Mike Schmidt, 34 Gehrig, T205 Christy Matheson, Gold Border, 1950 Bowman, um, Jackie Robinson, 73 Roberto Clemente, Tops, and the uh, 52 Eddie Matthews. Uh, rookie card and it's also I think the last card perhaps in the set so it suffers from um, condition issues with rubber bands and of course the coup de grace I think he missed, I think he came in 11th last year and it's the 1960 Carly Yastrzemski rookie card which is a brilliant card. Lists him as a second baseman, uh, the first of many 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 Carly Yastrzemski cards that would um, come out in the 60s, the 70s and the 80s during his playing days so There's my top ten right there. Uh, Burra, DiMaggio, Cobb, Schmidt, Gehrig, Mathewson, Robinson, Clemente, Eddie Matthews, and Carl Michael Yastrzemski. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm really happy with that. So get out there and vote. I don't want to influence anybody, but uh, make sure you vote for Carl Yastrzemski, please. Appreciate that. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a set... This week in a sport that I don't uh, know a lot about or know just enough about uh, to be dangerous, perhaps, is the better terminology. But we're going to talk about hockey. We're going to talk about the 1971-72 season. And more importantly, we're going to talk about the 1971-72 OPG slash Topps booklets set. Now, to get something out of the way, my entire life I have used the term OPG, and uh, the more and more collectors that I run into or hear or listen to uh, kind of accentuate the uh, the second syllable there. So they go OPG, and uh, I do OPG. So, anyway, uh, for this show, we are calling it the OPG slash TOPS set 1971 72 booklets. Um, I have a couple of them. I actually have five of them myself, and I have um, three doubles. So I have uh, plenty, plenty, plenty of um, material here to resource or to source for this podcast. Now, one thing about this is this is a booklet. Uh, these 71, 72 um, booklets are kind of a knockoff. I should say they are an exact knockoff of the 1970 tops baseball um and probably OPG booklets as well. Uh, these are a little bit more valuable than the um, the baseball ones. I guess they're a little more rare. And uh, it's no photographs. It's it, it's entirely um, um, hand drawn. And that's something that uh, is kind of uh, take takes a back seat in the history of tops. Now uh, we know growing up that. Uh, a lot of uh, the backs of the cards had comics, and uh, little comic tidbits thrown in the back, uh, written, written on the back. And some of the cards were uh, painted back in the day, like the 52s and the 53s. So uh, comics, I am not a comic book collector myself, never have been. But obviously, uh, there was a certain period of time where probably boys and girls collected comic books just as much, if not more than um, than baseball cards and sporting cards. So uh, this thing is a little nod here to the past because it's a full-blown comic thing. Uh, 70, again, 70 tops booklets for baseball. And interestingly enough, they would put out a set in 79, the comics as well. Uh, Different kind of format in wax wrapping. But uh, really, uh, probably the last time we really had comics um, on our cards um, or included regularly on our cards... Um, that tops produced now uh there's a book here that i've been reading called mint condition and truth be told i'm reading three books right now and i, I, I should probably concentrate on one of them but dave Jamison wrote a book called mint condition i think in 2010 and he essentially dedicates a chapter uh almost an entire chapter to um woody gelman from tops who uh, had a hand in designing and pretty much uh did design that 52 iconic Topps baseball set. And, uh, from 53 on, I think into the seventies, well into the seventies, he was the head of the, um, uh, product development, uh, department at Topps. And, uh, he employed a lot of, uh, true, uh, artistic geniuses, not just, uh, graphic artists, but, uh, comic book artists. He's, you know, he's the guy, Woody Gelman's the guy who came up with bazooka, Joe, um, drew him up uh, and, uh, you know, that cartoon character and all that stuff. So uh, there's a legacy there with the bars of tax cards in the early 60s It that, that was turned into a movie. So most of the people that Woody Gilman had working for and with him in uh, the product development team uh, were true comic book uh, artists. So that plays a, a pretty large role in um, this set as well, this, this 71, 72 OPG uh, Top's booklet for the hockey gents. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this set. I'm going to read you what is uh, the biography of this set from uh, Beckett OPG. <clears throat> what they say, and it says here, this set consisted of 24 colorful comic booklets in an eight-page format, each measuring two-and-a-half by three-and-a-half. The booklets were included as an insert with a regular issue of the same year and give a mini-biography of the player. These booklets were also put out by TOPS and were printed in the United States. They could be found in either French or English language versions. versions. The booklets were numbered on the fronts with a complete set list on the back. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so let's get into it here. So, these, again, as mentioned in that blurb, uh, these things were available in the packs, 10 cent packs, 1971 uh, 72 hockey. Guess what? You got a booklet and a piece of gum in there as well. So uh, kudos to Tops for, for uh, you know, keeping keeping on, keeping on there. They just gave us all sorts of stuff in 71, 72. Perhaps some of you guys remember this, um, getting these out of a pack. I'm a little too young for that, so wasn't quite my era. But um, pretty cool stuff. Uh fronts of these cards are... Uh, Pretty bland. They're, these are true paper products. They're almost printed on comic book stock, uh, paper stock. Uh, I've thrown up here on my screen. No, I haven't thrown up, but I've put up on my screen uh, the card number two, which is the Phil Esposito story. Um, so our uh, our hero is listed uh, in comic book style with the full name on the front, um, bracketed by the and story, so the Phil Esposito story. Bottom of the... Uh, Printed portion says uh, booklet number two, which would be number two on our checklist. Inside of a uh, kind of a uh, red border for Philip Esposito, uh, and on top of a yellow field is a star that bounces out with a drawn picture of Phil Esposito in cartoon form. Uh, Serious, but uh, definitely drawn in a cartoon um, manner. Now, I brought up two of these Phil Esposito's because one of the things this, this uh, set suffered from was uh, there's a red and a pink variation or a pinkish variation. As we know from uh, our overly expensive printer inks, uh, printing is done in a CMY format for cyan, magenta, yellow, uh, with some black thrown in there too. And I guess they kind of, uh, for a while there, didn't quite get the mixture correctly in the um, printing facility, so one of them came out with uh, <clears throat> a little pinker than the other. Uh, I think they're essentially uh, kind of the same uh, pricing from what I gather, but that's with that. So the front of that, again, uh, comic book paper stock, uh, nice little drawing on the front. The back of each card um, has uh, says hockey booklet checklists at the top, collect all 24 bucks at the bottom. And we have our 24 heroes that are uh, listed here. Uh, so uh, it's Bobby Hull, Phil Esposito, uh, Dale Talon, who actually have, I have him right in front of me, Jacques Plant, uh, Roger Crozet, Crozier, uh, Henri Richard, uh, Ed Giacomo, Giacomo, uh Gil Perrault, Craig, Craig Polis, Bobby Clark, Danny Grant, Al Dalvecchio, uh, Tony Esposito, uh, Gary Unger, Uh, man, shoot, St. Marseille, F. St. Marseille, I forget what his name is, maybe I should look it up, it's Frank St. Marseille, because I have that right there in front of me, Dave Keon, Ken Dryden, Rod Gilbert, Jua Whiting, uh, Orland Courtenbach, uh, Jude Drouin, Gary Smith, Gordie Howe, and Bobby Orr, forgive me if I've mispronounced some of these French names, uh. Right below that is a copyright tops chewing gum printed in the USA, and a mysterious, uh, almost uh, what would look like a uh, IP uh, IP address at the bottom of this. It's four dash four o seven dash one zero dash o one dash one, and uh, that's code for something. Um, you know, in the regular seventy one seventy two set, uh, tops uh, uses the. Tops uses the logos of the teams and the team's names and all that jazz, but uh, here there's no indication that the NHLPA or the NHL itself has uh, has uh, endorsed this product, even though they came with the regular Tops issues, so... Kind of interesting. No logos from either the players or the league themselves. Uh, If we look on the inside of this, I'm going to show you uh, there a little bit of Bobby Holes inside of his uh, booklet, pages 4 and 5. True comic book stuff here. Great, great comic book uh, animation as well as uh, some of that fine, fine comic book prose. And I'll read a little bit of that to you. I'll read page 4 and 5 to you guys. So we're looking at um, Bobby Hole. Uh, boarding a plane and it says holes, wavy blonde hair earned him the nickname golden jet. I always heard that hockey players fly a lot. So Bobby holes boarding a plane called the golden jet. Next frame says, uh, the black Hawks built their whole team around Bobby hole. And there's a picture of Bobby hole standing, uh, probably twice as tall as his teammates. there, uh, wearing pink uniforms. Uh, these guys are not drawn in their normal, um, uh, Bobby Hole's case, uh, Blackhawks uniform. So a little artistic license there. Next up, we have Bobby led the NHL in scoring in only his third year of play with 81 points. And then there's a blurb that says, Wow, imagine what he'll do in 10 years. Um, pretty cool. Next page says, Two years later, Bobby became the third NHL to sc- the NHL star to score 50 goals in one season. Move over, Richard and Giafreone. Here I come. And he's whizzing a ball past a maskless gully uh, who's got uh, some fine leg pads on, a nice waffle board and a glove, but again, no face mask there. So, um, yeah, these little jobbers come with uh, absolutely uh, zero statistical uh, year-by-year or career stuff, uh, but uh, they kind of try to throw some blurbs out there in their – in the, in, in the little uh, comic book stories that they tell us. Um, Fourteen Hall of Famers in this set. Okay, so those Hall of Famers are uh, Bobby Hull, Phil Esposito, Jacques Plante, Henri Richard, Ed Giacomone, uh, Gilbert Perrault, uh, Bobby Clark, Aldo Vecchio, Tony Esposito, Dave Keehan, Ken Dryden, Rod Gilbert, Gordie Howe, and Bobby Orr. Uh, we have uh, all teams represented here, so... Back then, there were, I think it was 14 teams as well. So we had the Bruins uh, of Boston, the Buffalo Sabres, the California Golden Seals, the Chicago Blackhawks, Detroit Red Wings, Los Angeles Kings, Minnesota North Stars, Montreal Canadiens, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, St. Louis Blues, Toronto Maple Leafs and the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, all teams represented there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Perfect. 14 Hall of Famers. How's that for symmetry? Pretty cool. So uh, up on the screen, if you're uh, watching, you'll see the entire set sprawled out on a um, nice piece of coroplast so um again there's 24 of these booklets and there are 24 variations because we have the red ish version and the pink ish version version as well standard size as we said one per wax pack um let's talk a little bit about um maybe their worth Set price here will run you on the low end, $50, and the high end, $125. That is per the Beckett OPG. Commons are twenty five to $3. Heading over to the Beckett OPG stat zone, uh, total value of the cards is $165. Average value is $6.88 for the 24 cards. Now, the moment you've been waiting for, the top five valuable cards of the 1971-72 OPG, tops hockey booklet series. We're looking at uh, ten to twenty-five bucks for the Bobby Orr, uh, eight to twenty bucks for the Ken Dryden. That's Beckett low and Beckett high, by the way. Eight to twenty bucks for uh, Gordie Howe. 6 to $15 for Bobby Hull and 5 to $10 for Bobby Clark. So uh, that's a Bruin, a Canadian, a Red Wing, a Blackhawk, and a Flyer. Uh, one thing I do want to apologize for, our pal Victor Roman Sr. mentioned about podcasters using visual aids in their presentations. I apologize. I am guilty of that for sure. As some of you may or may not know, I started out as a just a podcaster, the first uh, 19 episodes or so, um, strictly podcasted. And then episode 20, uh, thanks to Rich Klein, I moved over to video and, and the support of people like uh, Kim Kinsley and stuff like that. I I've now do podcasting and YouTubing. So I will use visual, visual aids, and I will try to be better and more uh, cognizant of the fact that not everybody can uh, see the screen while I'm... Um, doing my jam up here so uh that's it hopefully um you know kind of a short episode i know but um got a lot going on right now for sure so uh thanks for joining me this week as i take my journey back in time if you have a comment or suggestion or perhaps you have a set from the 70s you'd like to hear more about please don't hesitate to reach out to me at That70sCardShow at gmail.com, That70sCardShow on YouTube, or 70s Card on Twitter. If you're listening there in your car, or at your job, or in the gym, or sorting cards, you'll be hearing the music by Mango Safari, which is available on iTunes. Uh, Again, thanks everybody for the kind words they've... uh, written and said to me i appreciate that so much i'll try to uh try to highlight some of the comments um, and questions that people may have had over the last couple weeks on an upcoming episode so uh enjoy your collecting and more importantly enjoy your collection and please please be safe everybody thank you very much